your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to that passage that we read somewhat from during our, our part of it, during our scripture reading in the, in the first set of hymns and songs, and that is chapter 2 of Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 2. We're going to begin reading for this sermon in verse 8 in just a moment. You know, I entitled the sermon, What Are We Really Leaving Out of Christmas? Uh, if you watch TV, you see that there's always discussion about the war on Christmas, that people are saying, don't say Merry Christmas, say Happy Holidays. I don't think they realize that they're probably saying something a little stronger with Happy Holidays, and that holidays is just shortened for Holy Days. Happy Holy Days. Well, all right. I think that's what it ought to be. It ought to be holy days. It ought to be days that we set aside for something unique and something special. That's why we light these candles. That's why we, we sing these hymns about his coming. Because Christmas, we never can leave Christ out of Christmas, no matter how hard we try, but, but Christmas is a celebration of holy days, the coming of the Messiah, the coming of God incarnate, wrapping himself in flesh and dwelling among us, as we talked about in John's gospel two years ago. It's his coming and being a part of our lives in a very special and very unique way. So, so a war on Christmas is really kind of a, a silly thing to look at because I think the war on Christmas really takes place more inside of churches than it does out in the marketplace. It, the war on Christmas, the real war on Christmas, more takes place by those who want to say, Merry Christmas, and yet they miss and leave out the most important part of what Christmas is all about, that it is holy that it is unique, that it is, it is special beyond anything that we can ever imagine. So the supposed war on Christmas, not saying Merry Christmas, saying Happy Holidays, might do great on talk shows and television, and it might boost ratings and, and fire people up, but in reality, it's missing the whole point of what this season is about, I believe. So hear about that first Christmas morning, that first holy day of this season as we read part earlier but beginning in verse 8 and reading some again and then a little more and in the same region there were some shepherds they were staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night and an angel of the lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the lord shone round around them and they were terribly frightened i think king james says they were sore afraid and the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. There is born for you a Messiah. There is born for you a Savior, who is King. There is born for you one who will save his people. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And it came about that when the angels had gone away from them, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste 
and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it wondered wondered at, wondered at these things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went away, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. They went away, glorifying and praising God that they had had this truth revealed to them on that mountainside by the shepherds, or by the angels. What a glorious truth we find in this little narrative that Luke gives us. Luke, the the physician, Luke, the historian, Luke, the one who brings all of these historical facts together for us to glean, for us to glory in, and for us to rejoice in during this Christmas season. But the most obvious question comes when you look at this text is why in the world did the announcement come to shepherds? I mean, let's face it, shepherds were not very high on the social ladder in Palestine. Shepherds were not those whom everybody said, oh, let's listen to what the shepherds have to say. Let's go to the shepherds for wisdom. Let's go to the shepherds for guidance. Let's go to the shepherds in order to get some understanding of of spiritual and religious matters. They were not those to whom the people went. As a matter of fact, they were the lowest on the social ladder that you could find in all of Palestine. Why not go to the priest? Why not go to the rulers? Why not go to those who had the power to say, okay, this is the one. Let's all worship him. Let's all follow him. Let's all rejoice in him. Why go to lowly shepherds? Why the priests and the kings were conspicuously left off this mailing list for this divine birth announcement. They didn't even get a notice. They didn't even get a word from an angel or anybody else that something great was happening down in a manger in Bethlehem. Those who had the power those who had the influence, those who had the money were totally left out of the loop on this first Christmas morning. But why the shepherds? Why were the shepherds the ones who were the eyewitnesses to God's glory? The eyewitnesses to this, as I referred to it a moment ago, history's greatest birth announcement, this divine birth announcement. Why were they the ones who got the word above everybody else in that time. It might be that because they were humble enough that they would hear it. They were were poor. They were just lowly laborers. They they didn't have any influence. They didn't have any power. In, In fact, they didn't have anything to lose by the coming of the Messiah. You know, the kings, (laughs) under you this morning, this day in the city of of David, a king, a lord, why, if that's the case, if a king is born, a lord is born, then I lose my authority, I lose my power, I lose my position. And to the priest, why, we've submitted ourselves to God's law, we've submitted ourselves to what we can know, hopefully, during this, this time on earth, 
But if we have one who is now the Lord, the one who has come from God, the one who is literally God in the flesh, then maybe we will have to submit to him and we will lose our authority in the temple and our authority in the synagogues and, and the people will follow him and quit following us. I mean, you've got to face it, the kings and the priests had a lot to lose. Shepherds had nothing to lose. Shepherds were already about as low as you could get. The shepherds were hoping and, were, and praying and pursuing and listening in ways that many in that day would not listen. I, I love the picture. They're out on the mountainside. And they're just tending their sheep. And, and while they're tending their sheep, all of a sudden a great light shines upon them. A great, a great light appears, and that's the glory of God that shines all around them. And it says, you know, they, they were just minding their own business, keeping watch over their flock. It was night, and then all of a sudden, this angel is there. I, I dare say that these, that these uh, shepherds never seen an angel. Especially not one that came with such power and such glory and such might and such authority. And, 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 and they'd never seen an angel. And I might contend to you that these, this angel that they saw and the other angels that will appear in a moment were not the sweet little white pristine angels that we see all around today. I'm, I'm never, I never cease to be amazed at how angels are pictured in, in, in pictures and thankfully we don't have any in here. But you know they're always just so perfect and they're always so feminine. Why, the angels we portray today would not hurt a flea or a fly. They just kind of want to be there and just be pretty and, and just say everything's going to be all right. The angels in Scripture are always warriors. The angels in Scripture are, scripture are always pre uh, presented as one that when you see them, you don't say, hey, it's good to see you. Come on in. It's one that you, you do exactly what the shepherds do. They fell on their faces. They were fearful. They were sore afraid. They were frightened beyond words. So much that the angel had to say to them, don't be afraid. I'm not here to bring judgment on you. I'm not here to destroy you. I'm here to give you some good news. I, I, I'm here to, to bring to you good news of a great joy that shall be for all the peoples of the world, not just for tiny Palestine, not just for Israel, not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles and the entire world. I'm here to give you good news of great joy. Can you imagine yourself being one of those shepherds? You're, you fall on your face, you're scared to death. And this angel says, I know I look scary, but don't be afraid. I've come to tell you something glorious. I've come to tell you something that's going to bring you great joy. We'll talk about joy in a week or so when we light the joy candle on that, on that Advent candle wreath. I come to bring you good news, the best news, the most glorious news that has ever been brought to earth. It's interesting that while the shepherds were on the lowest rung of the social totem pole, if you will, or the lowest rung of the ladder as far as, as Palestine goes in that day, that throughout Scripture, God has always, always pictured himself as a shepherd at various times. You know, he's, Psalm 23, the Lord is my what? Shepherd. 
I shall not be in want. The Lord is my shepherd. He, he guides me. He leads me. He protects me. He watches over me. A shepherd is a very important thing if you're a sheep because he provides you food and nourishment and protection at every turn. So while Palestine, while the Jewish leaders and the Roman leaders and all those in that town at that time might very well have, have thought of, of the shepherds as lowly and insignificant and unnecessary God has said throughout His Word, they are a picture of who I am to my people. Rejoice in that and submit to your shepherd. Bow before him and hear him. Well, the shepherds are out there in the fields. And the angel appears, says, don't be afraid. And they are afraid. And he says, but there's a sign. I'm bringing a sign to you. You're going to go into Bethlehem. You're going to find this baby wrapped in cloths. He's going to be lying in a manger. Not at the Holiday Inn, not at Herod's palace, or now in Jerusalem you can go to King David's, King David Hotel, none of those places. Let me lie in a manger, let me in a barn. Come out there with the animals. Shepherds, you'll feel right at home there. The priest wouldn't have, the kings wouldn't have, the rulers wouldn't have, but, but shepherds, you're going to feel right at home with this new Savior because of your humility of who you are. That's why I've chosen to show you this. And so they're, they're, they're talking to this one, one angel's talking to them, and then verse 13 says, and suddenly there appeared with that angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, seraphim and cherubim, and all the multiple hosts, and they were praising God, and they were saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. The first thing that happens when this announcement is made on that first Christmas morning, if you will, is that the angels worship God and the shepherds join in with them and they worship God. The very first thing they do when they hear this announcement is they worship. They want to glorify the one who's being announced. They want to glorify the one who has sent the announcement. They want to worship him. And then they go into, into, into Bethlehem. They go straightway. Let, let us go straight to Bethlehem and let us see this thing that has happened. And they find the baby. When they came in haste, they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in a manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. Now, Mary's there and Joseph's there. And I don't know if there are other people around or not. Maybe there were. Maybe there were others tending to their animals and they heard the shepherds talking. But they told everybody they could. They probably told some out at the, at the end where there was no room. Hey, we're coming to find this child. Let me tell you what we saw. And, and they told all about this. They, they told what had happened. What had been made known to them in the statement about this child. Not just any child. Not just a baby this child, this specific child, this unique child, this child was different from all other children. And so what do they do? They worshiped with the angels on the side of the mountain, and now they come down to Mary, they tell all that they've heard, and they all, everybody around wondered about it, all these things that they'd been told by the shepherds there, 
And in verse 19 it says that Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. She knew what the shepherds were talking about, you know, because Mary had already been told by an angel when she was, before she became pregnant that you are chosen of the Father and you will bear the Messiah. That's why it breaks my heart that one of the most beautiful Christmas songs, musically and, and, and perhaps emotionally, is Mary, Did You Know? But it's also, one of, you know, the answer to that is yes, Mary knew because she had been told prior to the birth of the child. So she knew the one that she was cradling there. She knew the one that she was holding there was the Son of God. She knew that He was the Messiah. She knew that He was the promised one of God. All that had been revealed to her. And so when the angels come, when the shepherds come and say, this is what the angels have told us, says she's treasured that in her heart. She pondered these things that she was told because she had heard them before. And now she was hearing them again. And in one sense, the the source of the information was exactly the same, even though this time it came through the shepherds to the manger where she was. It was great joy. She pondered them. She treasured them. I, I love the way David said in Psalm 119, Your word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Mary is treasuring the truth of God's word in her heart as she hears these shepherds proclaim what they have been told. Treasuring in your heart is, is worship. So the, the shepherds worshiped out on the mountainside when they heard for the first time. And now as they're there with Mary, Mary and Joseph and the shepherds now are pondering and treasuring what has been said. They are worshiping there at the very bedside, the very cradle side of the infant baby, Jesus. So when they see the baby, they worship. And then they leave. They didn't hang around, it doesn't seem. They, as a matter of fact, they, they leave, and in a very real sense, they kind of just vanish. Don't hear a lot about them again. We'll hear about some magi later. We'll hear about uh, going down to the temple and the circumcision and, and these kind of things of Jesus on the eighth day. But, but for the most part, once the shepherds have come, delivered their message, then they leave, and they go away. And what do they do? Verse 17 says, they made it known. Verse 18 says, they pondered it with Mary and Joseph, and Mary pondered these things in her heart. She treasured them. And then verse 20 says, and the shepherds went back. Went back where? Went back to the mountainside. Went back to their flock. Went back to their sheep. Went back to doing what shepherds do. Just because they had this announcement, they weren't now some kind of special class that they felt like, okay, now we're going to interject ourselves into the story. No, they just were gloriously happy that they had heard the message. And so they went back to what they were doing, to what they were called to do, what their place was. But as they went, it says they went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. When they heard the announcement, they worshipped. When they saw the baby, they worshipped with Mary and Joseph. And when they left to go back to their flocks, as they left, they were glorifying God, praising God, worshipping God. In all of their life, with all that they are, they were thanking Him for letting them be let in on this little secret, this little fact, just as had been told them. 
On the mountainside they worshipped, in the stable they worshipped. When they left the stable, they glorified God and worshipped God. Which brings us to what I think is the most left out thing of most the thing most left out of Christmas. And that's worship. We will give gifts. We will, we will buy stuff for one another that is extravagant. And we'll buy stuff for one another that we don't really need, but it makes us feel good. You know, it's a joyful thing. To, it's, be, what, it's better to give than receive, and we kind of live on that a little bit during Christmas time and say, well, I just feel so good giving this. We may not treat them very nice the rest of the year, but we give nice things to, to compensate for how we treat people sometimes during the rest of the year. We'll give gifts, and, and we'll talk about how, well, we're just emulating the Magi. We'll talk about the Magi later, but we're just emulating, not this week, we're just emulating them. They came and they gave gifts. Yes, they did. But their gifts were not just for enjoyment. Their gifts were not just for pleasure. Their gifts were not just so that the one receiving them could think better of them. Not at all. Their gifts were for worship. The thing we leave out of Christmas, and it can't be done by the world because they can't worship anyway. The thing that so often we see left out of Christmas and the most significant thing and the most important thing and the most vital thing is we forget to worship. You see, if indeed you have come to know Him, if you indeed have been like the shepherds, like those on the side of the mountain who have had the truth by God's Holy Spirit announced to you and and open to you and you've seen who he is and you believed in who he is and you say I've trusted him and I put my I've given him my life I've given him my heart I've given him everything about me if that is the case then the only normal reaction to the advent Christmas season is worship together as a body they did that as the shepherds and they did it individually it seems like to you know, and we should worship individually, and we should worship corporately, and we should make this season more about Him than about us. You see, the world can never take away Christmas. The world can war on it all they want to, and they can do all they want to do to try to, to negate it and try to diminish it and try to make it look smaller and, and try to... They'll never do that because, see, the world gains during Christmas because we don't worship like we should and we get so caught up in the materialism and the commercialism of Christmas that the world is glad to see us do it. But they'll never really try to put an end to it, not from their perspective. The only ones that can really hurt Christmas are you and me. The only other ones that can really miss the real meaning of Christmas are those who have come to the manger, who have seen the Savior, who have come to know the Savior, and yet who in this season don't make that the focus of everything. Don't make bowing before Him as the shepherds did the main thing. The thing that we, get, we leave out of Christmas more often than not, and I'm guilty, is worship. Bowing in His presence. 
We will light this Advent candle every single week. We will talk about peace that comes through Christ and the hope that comes through Christ. We'll talk about the joy that is in Christ. And we'll come to that final night on Christmas Eve when we gather to worship on Christmas Eve. And we will light the Christ candle and we will declare that Christ the Lord is born today. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. We will worship. We will worship that night because that is the proper and the right thing to do. We will worship that night together because that is what Christmas ought to be about. Above everything else, it ought to be about worship. What is Christmas to you? What are you leaving out of Christmas? What are you making it about? Is it about a man in a red suit? Or is it about a God who is clothed in flesh? Let's pray. Father, we are not priest of the world. We are not the kings and rulers of the world. Lord, we are the shepherds. There are not a lot that seek us out for counsel and a number of other things, but Lord, we are who we are. And we are those who, by your grace, have heard the announcement. The shepherds didn't deserve getting the announcement. The shepherds had done nothing religiously or morally or or any other way to be recipients of it. They They might have been immoral people before that night. I don't know. Lord, they were lowly, and they were not haughty, they were humble. And when they heard the truth of Almighty God, it changed their lives, and they worshiped. Father, I pray this Christmas season, this Advent season, these holy days, holidays, that, Lord, we will be much like the shepherds, humbled by your grace and humbled by your presence and humbled by the fact that you, Almighty God, would enter into this world in the likeness of man, taking on flesh and dwelling among us. Father, so that you might rule with truth and grace. That you might show yourself as the king of all glory. Father, for that, for that we worship you. May this Advent season, may this Christmas season be about worship. Individually. 
well as corporately gathering with your people. Father, I pray for men and women who are here this morning who maybe do not know you. Lord, they've never trusted Christ. They've never had their eyes opened and their hearts changed by the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray this morning that you will touch their lives. Open their eyes. Let them see, even as the angels showed the, the shepherds on that mountainside that night, the glory of the Lord, the glory of Christ. Father, I pray that you will make yourself known to those who do not know you. And I pray, Lord, that for us who do know you, you will renew our understanding, you will renew our vision, you will renew, O oh Lord, our, our walk with you in such a way that during this season, we are changed because we worship you. Thank you, Father. Do your work now among us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.